Welcome to Alpha and Omega Ministries International. This ministry is committed to bringing apostolic alignment and restoration of the values and principles of the Kingdom of God to the body of Christ. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by the Word of God. Heavenly Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus once again for our gathering around the Word of God. Thank you for the privilege that you are giving us to meet with you around your Word and to meet with one another and have fellowship through your Spirit around the globe. I thank you for everyone who has logged on today, this morning, this evening, for those who are in the United States, we welcome everyone, Lord. We welcome Christian from Germany, Anna Polentas from, from Bight Bridge, and Peter and Emma from Zimbabwe, as well as Somerset West. We thank you, and we ask that you would give us ears to hear today, eyes to see truth, and a heart that understands and embraces and puts into practice the things that we learn in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We are still on the subject of prayer, praying the kind of prayers that please God. Today we are doing part seven of the series, and, um, and we will continue until the Lord indicates otherwise, and I will explain why. I have been teaching on the subject of prayer now, as you well know, for just two months or maybe a little longer. And the more I teach on it, I have discovered that the more I learn and the more light I receive on the subject of prayer. Like any other ordinance from God, prayer is one of those subjects that no matter how much we study it, it is an inexhaustible subject. For the first time this morning, as I meditated on the Word and on the theme of prayer, I saw something in a way that I had never seen before, even in my 40 years of walking with God. It's not that it, it, was, it was like a light came on and I saw the deeper meaning of prayer that has in the heart of God and should have in the heart of the believer. So Jesus said in Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 24, I'm going to read that to you from the Amplified Translation. The Amplified Translation brings out um, a thorough meaning or a wider meaning uh, of, the, of, the, of this particular verse. That's why I like it from the... I prefer to read this particular verse from the Amplified Translation. Listen to what it says. Jesus is teaching here and he says... The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you, and more besides will be given to you who hear. In other words, the more thought, 
the more study you give to any truth you hear from the Bible, the more knowledge you will receive and the more virtue will come back to you. That is a law. The more time you spend around the subject you are studying and the more thought and meditation you give to it, the more revelation will come back to you. I believe, it is my personal conviction, that we do a great disservice to God's people when we jump from one subject to the next too quickly in our teaching as well as in our preaching. We should never be in a hurry to move from the truth we are teaching until we give people enough time not only to hear it, but to study the subject, to meditate on it, until we get to the place where we digest it, spiritually speaking. And to digest something, it means you make it part of you. And that comes through study and meditation of the truth we hear. Now, when you digest something, even in the natural, you know that it becomes part of you. And you're able to walk in it. And you're able to practice that truth without any real effort because it becomes second nature to you. That's what Jesus meant when he said the word must become flesh. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So it is important that we don't jump from one subject to the next. For instance, we are currently studying and teaching on the subject of prayer. In your quiet meditation, in your private time, it's unwise to go and study something else. You need to stay on the subject of prayer, listen to the word, do your own research, Go into it yourself, do your own study and your own meditation, take your own notes, read on the subject, just stay on it. Stay on it until it becomes part of you. When it becomes part of you, you will have no problem in walking in that particular truth. And you will have no problem to pray as you study and meditate on the subject of prayer. Is that understood? Do, do you understand where I'm coming from? Amen. And we should never be in a hurry. Never be in a hurry to move. You know, it's unwise for any pastor, for any teacher, to teach on a, on a different subject every week. Because by the time you get to the week after, you forget what you were taught last week, and then you jump on the new subject. And then the next week on something new... And what we do, if we do it that way, we barely skim over the surface. And that is not the way God intends for us to study and meditate the Word of God. Amen. Now, I saw this morning something new. Even though I've been teaching on prayer for many years, and I've been practicing in the, in, in, the, in the ministry of prayer. I saw this morning that prayer 
is a ministry from God given to every believer in the body of Christ. Regardless of the denomination they belong to, regardless of the status, the position, the color, or the ethnic background, it is a God-given ministry to every single believer. Even if you have been born again only a few days ago, God has given you the ministry of prayer. So prayer is a ministry given from God. Now, why do I say that? Well, it is through prayer that we minister to the Lord, first of all. It is also through prayer we minister to the sinner. When we pray for sinners or ungodly and unbelieving people, what are we doing? We minister to them. But how do we do it? Through the ministry of prayer. We minister to the body of Christ through prayer. When you're praying for your fellow Christians, what are you doing? You are exercising your ministry of prayer and blessing the body of Christ. As well as we minister to our own families and our own selves. So many believers are sitting in church today or in a house church or in a, in a home group and they are waiting on God to give them some kind of a ministry, either in the church or out of the church, without realizing that they already have a ministry from the Lord. Are you with me? You need to see it as such. It is through prayer that every other ministry is birthed and released in the body of Christ. And if we are unfaithful, listen to this carefully, if we are unfaithful in the ministry of prayer, why would God entrust us with any other ministry within His church? Amen. I recall my ministry was birthed in prayer. It is sustained through prayer. It grew through prayer and continues to grow through prayer and it will end in prayer. In fact, the Lord said this to me this morning, that believers, born-again Christians, who are unfaithful in the ministry of prayer, will not be given or entrusted with any other ministry in the body of Christ. This is a serious thing. You know, I don't believe that as pastors and leaders, we should commit any ministry to anyone who's not a praying believer. Would you agree with that? Amen. 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 Why would God trust you with additional ministry if you're unfaithful in the first ministry that is given you as a believer? That's why we are called kings and priests. What do priests do? They pray. Amen? Their primary primary ministry is prayer. God is calling His people to pray. Prayer is a calling from God and it is foundational to anything and everything else God calls us to do. Amen.
And I want us to notice that this is not a suggestion from the Lord, but a commandment from the Lord Jesus himself. Jesus' teaching on the subject of prayer, when he taught on it, he said, when you pray. He didn't say, if you pray. He said, when you pray. Now, he took it for granted that every disciple will be given to a lifestyle of prayer. He said, when you do it, this is the way you do it. Set aside, go to a a place in your house that is quiet, that is secret, shut the door behind you, and there you pray to your Heavenly Father in secret. And so, this is not a suggestion from the Lord, it's a command. So, we need to receive that as a commandment from the Lord. In the New Testament, there are many, many references which are calling God's people to prayer. Paul said to the church, pray without ceasing. In another epistle, he said, devote yourselves to prayer. So it's important for us to understand that prayer is a ministry given to you as a believer. So never, don't say you you don't have a ministry. You do have a ministry. You are a minister of God. If you're a believer, you are a minister. And you have a ministry. And first of all, that primary ministry that God has given you is a ministry of prayer. If you're faithful in the ministry of prayer, expect God to bless you. And in fact, Jesus said the Father will give you an open reward. Expect the Father to bless you, to reward you, and to increase you, and add to your ministry of prayer additional ministries that you may be able to bless others and teach them and counsel them or show mercy or prophesy or whatever other ministry the Lord has for you. But you must show diligence and faithfulness and consistency in the ministry of prayer. Now let me give you some keys before we go any further to an effective prayer life. The two most important keys in order for us to be effective in our prayer life is knowledge and understanding. Knowledge and understanding. Now these are the two keys, I believe, the primary keys to an effective prayer life. And in order to increase and deepen our knowledge concerning the subject of prayer, We need to do our homework. We need to do our own study, our own homework on the subject. As you well know, this is a basic principle in anything we do in life. That we desire to be successful and fruitful, we need to take time to study that particular area, to put effort into it, to persevere in it, and most times we need to invest money in it. In other words, it takes time, it takes effort, it takes diligence, it takes perseverance, and most times take money in order to succeed in any endeavor or any sphere of life. So when it comes to an effective prayer life, 
we must be willing to study the subject in depth, meditate on the value and the importance of prayer. Meditation is the key to revelation. I want to say that again. Don't just read the scriptures on prayer. Spend time meditating on those scriptures. Meditation will release revelation into your spirit and will renew your mind concerning the value and the importance of prayer. Meditation is a very important part of our daily walk in the Lord. So, we need to do our own study, meditate on the value of prayer, and be willing. We need to be teachable. And we need to be willing to learn from other people as well. Especially those who have gone ahead of us, who are mature in the Lord, who have matured in the ministry of prayer. They have an established prayer life and they have learned certain things and certain principles from the Lord who has taught them to pray. I recall in my earlier years, I was just a young believer And when I took an interest in my prayer life, especially when I got so frustrated as a result of my limited knowledge on how to pray. I don't know about you, but there comes a time, especially as I was learning, and I'm still learning, that we get to a place where our prayer life becomes dry and dull and boring. If you, if you have been a diligent student in the field of prayer, you f- surely you have come experiences such as the one that I'm relating to, where you seem to hit um, a spot where your prayer life has become dull, has become uninteresting, and not exciting anymore. Well, it was one of those times that I got so frustrated But my frustration was a result of my limited knowledge concerning prayer and how to pray. I recall I went out to the Christian bookshop that was in our town and bought every book I could find on the subject of prayer. And I began to read and study and read and learn from other men of God. The books of Andrew Murray. How many of you have heard of Andrew Murray? Andrew Murray was a missionary in South Africa in the 1800s. His writings on the subject of prayer are rich, anointed, and invaluable to the new Christian. I've learned a lot. I I grew up on the books of Andrew Murray. They're really anointed writings. He puts the word across and his teaching is so simple, especially on the subject of prayer. He helped me a great deal on how to pray and how to wait on God. In addition to that, I ordered teaching tapes on prayer by men of God whom the Lord impressed upon my heart. Those days in the 80s, we had tapes and I'm sure some of you must remember that. Today we didn't have CDs and MP3s like we have today and DVDs. All we had was tapes. And I ordered a bunch of teaching tapes, particularly on the subject of prayer, 
And I listened to those teachings hours on end, literally endeavoring to capture not just the teaching, but the spirit of prayer that was upon the men I was listening to. Because some things you learn, but some things you catch. When you walk around people and you, and you fellowship around people who are men and women of prayer, you catch their spirit. You catch that spirit of prayer and you begin to flow with it. It becomes easier to pray when you are around those people. So there are certain things that, that you catch besides being taught. I trust you understand what I'm communicating. And it is my prayer that as I'm teaching on this subject of prayer, you will not only learn about prayer, but you will catch the spirit of prayer. Amen? Okay. So, and I studied. I studied for hours on end. I wanted to get, I wanted to increase my level of knowledge and my level of understanding concerning the subject of prayer. And I have explained to you before, I have mentioned this to you, I went through the New Testament, I studied the prayers of Paul, I meditated on them, I still do. Because just because you, 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 you like a certain kind of food, say you like steak, that doesn't mean you're not going to have steak again, you will have it as often as you can. Amen? So we need to go over this again and again and again and chew on it and meditate on it and study it until it becomes part of us. And not just on the subject of prayer, but on any theme from the Bible, any truth, any revelation, you don't catch it the first time you hear it or the second time you hear it. Repetition is the mother of learning. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And faith goes by not hearing. Amen? But, not only have I studied and still do study, and I didn't do that when I, when I became a pastor. I did this when I was a businessman. And let me say this to you. When you come to me and you tell me you have no time to do this, that's just one feeble excuse of laziness. When you consider something important in your life, you always make time for it. Are you out there? Yes, Pastor. If you consider prayer, as important to you as it is in God's eyes, if you consider study and meditation of the Word as valuable and important, you will make time for it. Because Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. In other words, if you treasure something, if you love something, you always make time for it. Amen. Hello? Amen. Losing sleep for the sake of study and prayer is worth it. Amen. Not only did I study the subject of prayer and listen to men of God on prayer, hours on end, most importantly, I prayed. 
We need to set time aside to pray because the more you pray, the better you become at it. We don't learn by just studying a subject. We learn by practice. You don't learn how to cook by reading cookbooks. That's important, but that's not enough. You get in the kitchen and you start to cook with someone beside you, teaching you. Amen? So, you don't learn how to drive a car by studying and reading the rules of the road. Amen? What do you do? You get behind a wheel with an instructor. And you drive. That's how we learn to pray. We learn by practice. As you get into your prayer closet, your instructor is within you. The Holy Spirit is within you. The grace of God is within you, ready on a standby to help you and empower you to pray. Amen. And that's how we learn. So we study the subject, we read on it, we meditate on it, then we practice it. That's how we grow in our Christian walk. That's how we grow in our faith. That's how we grow in knowledge, in understanding, and in practicing the Word of God. Amen? Amen. All right. Having said that, I know some of the things I, I am repeating them over the seven weeks or eight weeks that we've been teaching, but it's good. It's good. It's good that we hear it again so that it can become part of us. We are going to look at, for the remainder of our time, some of the apostolic prayers that especially Apostle Paul prayed for the churches, that he was overseeing or he was responsible for. They called apostolic prayers because they were prayed by the apostles for the church. Now these prayers... I believe they are inspired by the Holy Spirit. That is why we have them in the New Testament today. Why would God put it in the New Testament if it was not important for us to read and learn from it? And also to imitate the apostles as they prayed. They are inspired by the Spirit. They are relevant for us today. They carry the same anointing, the same power when we pray them in faith for ourselves as well as for those we pray for. Now, most of these prayers recorded in the New Testament, as I have mentioned, are prayed by the Apostle Paul. We have already covered two of these apostolic prayers recorded in the epistle to the Ephesian believers. We've already looked at them, we've studied them, we've, uh, and, and uh, we've prayed through them. Now, we're going to look at some additional prayers that Paul prayed for the believers in the various churches he was responsible for. And the first one we're going to look at today is in Philippians chapter 1, Philippians chapter 1, and we're going to read verse 3 and 4 and 9 through to 11. Verses 3 and 4, Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, and verse 9 through to 11. He begins his prayers, notice that he always begins his prayers with thanking God. 
He says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy. It's good to remember that thanksgiving brings us into the presence of God. The Bible says, into his gates with what? With thanksgiving. And his courts with praise. So, you begin your prayers with thanksgiving. You want to pray for your family? You lift them up in thanksgiving. Lord, thank you for my wife. Thank you for my children. Thank you for my grandchildren. You name them one by one. Lord, I will not cease to give thanks to you for the blessings you have given me through my wife, through my husband, through my children, my grandchildren. Lord, I thank you for each and every one of them. And I thank you with joy and gladness in my heart. I value them. I appreciate them. I thank you for giving them to me. And then he goes on to make his request for them. And listen to what he prays for. He says in verse 9, and this I pray. He tells us what he's praying for. And he says that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. What a mouthful of prayer. What an anointed prayer to pray. Listen, he asks God that the love of these believers may abound more and more toward each other to the point where they increase and grow in knowledge and in all discernment. That's very important. I believe that true knowledge and true discernment is only found in the love of God and nowhere else. Would you agree with me? And that's what he says. He says that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in all discernment. God's love has the ability to discern, to differentiate, to distinguish between good and evil and pursue that which is excellent. And we can only have that true discernment in the love of God. As our love grows, our knowledge grows. As our love grows, our discernment grows. Because God is love. John said God is love. The more we grow in love, the more we grow in God, the more knowledge we will grow in. God is full of knowledge and he's full of discernment. Amen? Amen. It It is a wonderful prayer to pray for the body, for the church you are part of. Lord, we pray that our love toward you and toward one another may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all discernment. I, it is my personal opinion that true discernment is rare 
is a rare commodity in the body of Christ today. Christians are the most gullible people you will find. Easily deceived, easily led astray by every wind of doctrine. And that because of immaturity. Spiritual immaturity will lead us into deception. If we refuse to grow up in the Lord, we are easily deceived by every wind of doctrine, Ephesians chapter 4 says. Hebrews 5.14 says, Only the mature believer can discern between good and evil. So growing and abounding in the love of God is growing in God because God is love. Amen? Now, furthermore, Paul prays that these believers, listen, they may be sincere in their faith. How, how desperately we need sincere believers today. That they're genuine in the faith. They're not false. They're not pretending. They're not believers of convenience. But their roots in faith have grown and have shot deep down into the fertile soil of God's Word. He prays that these believers may be sincere in their faith. And then he goes on to say, I am praying that you stay clear of offenses. That's very important. And that you be filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God. Now, staying clear of offense is one of the marks of a mature believer. You know, most people leave churches as a result of offense because they've been offended. Either somebody said something or somebody did something to them or somebody didn't do something to them. Either the pastor said something, so they pick up an offense. And the next thing that happens, if you don't deal with that offense, it will drive you out the doors. Hello? So we need to pray for our brethren to stay clear of offense. And that's what Paul is praying about. The devil traps and imprisons believers mentally and emotionally through offense than any other thing. It is the most used weapon of the enemy. And that's why Paul prays and he says that you may be sincere and without offense. That you may be filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Christ Jesus. So we need to pray against the spirit of offense for ourselves as well as for our brethren, asking the Lord to fill us daily with the fruits of peace and the fruits of righteousness. I would say that the Apostle Paul aims very high in his requests for the believers in Philippi. Wouldn't you say so? Yeah. He aims very high in his prayers. At one point in Philippians 1.7, he says, Just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart. Because he loves these believers, the only way that he can express his love towards them is in the ministry of prayer, because he's far away from them. He's sending them this letter, he's teaching them, but he's also agonizing in prayer because they are dear to him. In Philippians 4.1, he says, Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and my crown, stand 
steadfast in the Lord, beloved. Notice, notice how he addresses them. He says, you are my joy, you are my crown, you my long for brethren. We need to pray that the love of God would be released in such a great measure in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that we grow in knowledge and discernment, that we stay clear of offense, that we are filled with the fruits of righteousness and peace which are by the Lord Jesus Christ to the glory of God. Wouldn't you say that? And that can only be done through the ministry of prayer. The love that Paul has in his heart for these believers inspires him, compels him to aim high in his requests for them. I believe the secret to a life of prayer that is abounding in fruit is God's love. And when we allow the love of God to fill our hearts and our minds, that very love will find expression in the ministry of prayer. Hello. Amen. 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 Shall I go on? Yes. Now let's look at the apostolic prayers that he prayed for the Thessalonians. The church in Thessalonica. He prays in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12 and 13, reading from the King James Version. Listen to what he says, how he prays. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. To the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all of his saints. Wouldn't you say that is a very similar prayer he prayed for the church in Philippi? But he uses different words, but communicating the same spirit and the same prayer. He prays that he says that the Lord would make them abound in love toward each other so that the hearts would be without blame. You know, when our hearts are filled with love, we are blameless. And let me say this, without love, true holiness is impossible. Without love, true holiness is impossible. Without love, it would be impossible to be without blame. So let us use this prayer often. It's there, it's written, meditate on it, think about it, practice it in your prayer for your brothers, for your family members, for whoever you are praying for. It's, a, it's an anointed, spirit-filled prayer and God will hear and answer such prayer. We have his word on it. In 2 Thessalonians 3.5, we also read, May the Lord bring you into an ever deeper understanding of the love of God. Again, the apostle makes his chief aim in his prayers the love of God. 
So let us pray for one another that the Father would bring us into a deeper understanding of his unfathomable love toward us. He prayed the same prayer for the Ephesians. He said that you may come to know the fullness of the love of Christ, the height, the depth, the width, and the length, and to know, to experience. The word know there is, have intimate knowledge, experience the love of God, which passes all understanding. Amen? Amen. What was that first reference poster from Thessalonians? It was uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12 and 13. Also, the, let's look at the apostolic prayer he prayed for the Colossian believers. The Colossian believers. It's recorded in Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through to 12. This is what he says. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, and being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to His glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering, with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Here is another apostolic prayer, Spirit-led, Spirit-empowered. And he asks the Father to fill these believers in Colossae with the knowledge, the knowledge of His will in all wisdom, he says, and spiritual understanding. Why? For the purpose of walking worthy of the Lord and being able to please Him and be fruitful in every good work. Now, these are really uh, prayers that are foundational, that, that cover the entire spectrum of our walk with the Lord. Because when we are filled with the knowledge of God, when we are filled with the knowledge of His purpose and will, and we have the wisdom and the understanding to walk in it, then that is all we need to prosper in every sphere of life and extend the influence of His kingdom here on earth. Wouldn't you say so? When you're filled with God's knowledge and God's wisdom and spiritual understanding, you will make the right decision at the right time. You will know where to go, where not to go. You will know where to invest, where not to invest. You will know what to do and when to do it. And that will result in us prospering in every sphere of life. So Paul doesn't ask for travail, you know, menial things. He asks for foundational things that will govern the believers in the way of fruitfulness and in the way of pleasing the Lord. And that's why I said to you before, and I've mentioned this often, 
that we can influence people we pray for, even though they far away from us physically. We can get involved in their lives and influence them through the ministry of prayer. So we need to meditate on these prayers of Paul and see the value of praying the way he prayed for ourselves as well as for our loved ones. So let's look at one more. And this prayer is found in Colossians chapter 2, again verse 1 and 2. Colossians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. If you look at the New Testament, especially the epistles, they filled with prayers. And Paul says this to the believers. I want you to know, he says, how much I have agonized for you. My goal is that you will be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. There it is. He mentions love again. I want you to have full confidence because you have complete understanding of God's secret plan, which is Christ himself. So Paul considers love once again indispensable for growth in the knowledge of God. God's love can only be experienced when Christians are knit together in love and live for others, not just for ourselves. And that's what he's communicating there. As you pray, ponder these words. You will gain a strong assurance of what God is able to do for you and for those you pray for. He will make you to abound in love and strengthen you to live before him in holiness and love for others. And he concludes his epistle by encouraging them to give themselves to prayer as he also requests prayer for himself. And we read that in Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. Colossians 4, verse 2 through to 4. And I'm reading from the Living New Living Translation. He says, Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us too, that God would give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I'm here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. This morning I was at a particular church in the city of Paphos, and I preached and taught on the subject of prayer. And I sensed such a strong anointing as I was ministering the word that it was so wonderful to see how receptive people uh, were to the ministry of the word. And I could see how the word penetrated and touched their hearts. When I gave an altar call for people to repent of prayerlessness, many people came forward. They repented before God. They asked for forgiveness and we prayed for them all together that God would empower them and give them grace to be consistent in their prayer lives. And so I want to thank you for your prayers. I know why that anointing was so strong ministering the word this morning, because you guys have prayed for me and I thank you for it. I appreciate that and I value that very much. Amen. 
Notice what Paul says. He says, devote yourselves to prayer. The word devote means to apply, to appropriate, to dedicate, and to occupy oneself with. That's what devote means. That should be our attitude towards prayer. If we apply ourselves to this, the results, the rewards, and the benefits from the spiritual exercise will be lasting, will be bountiful, and will have, what's more important, eternal value. You will never see the fruit of your prayers in this, on this side of heaven. You will only see the extent and the fruitfulness and the results of your prayers only on the other side when we stand before Christ on that day. I really believe that with all my heart. Because prayer is a spiritual exercise. You don't always see the results. But God hears and answers every prayer that is prayed in His name. Amen? Amen. Now, while preparing this message in closing today, I, the word of the Lord came to me saying, this is what the Spirit of God shared with me to, to minister to you, to tell you. He said, tell my people to aim high in their prayers, even as high as my word would direct them. Tell them to allow my word and my grace to guide them in praying for the loved ones and beyond. I have said in my word, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. I want my people to know the exceeding greatness of my power towards them that believe. In prayer, they will experience the greatness of my power working on their behalf. That is the word of the Lord that he gave me to give you today. The, the word of the Lord. What? Sorry. This is, I'm going to read that section again. So this is what the Lord said to me. Tell my people to aim high in their prayers, even as high as my word would direct them. Tell them to allow my word and my grace to guide them in praying for the loved ones and beyond. I have said in my word, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. I want my people to know the exceeding greatness of my power towards them that believe. In prayer, they will experience the greatness of my power working on their behalf. Have you all got it? Yes, Pastor, could I ask that you put that in an email? The word of the Lord. Yes, please. I will. I will send you an email with these words. Thank you. 
Yes, I was about to ask the same thing. That when you send your, when you send me your sermon, which I then send on, I would like please include that as well. As, okay. uh, I will. I will put it on email and send it to you, uh, if not tonight, tomorrow morning. But, having said all of that, and the many times that we have taught on the subject of prayer, I have never given you an opportunity to, to repent. To repent for not being consistent in your prayer life. To repent for prayerlessness. To repent for neglecting to pray for one reason or another. And I feel that it's very important that we come clean with God. That we balance the books. That, you know, the word of the Lord says that we must judge ourselves in order to avoid the judgment of God or escape God's judgment. What does it mean to judge yourself? To judge yourself means to acknowledge before God where you have been coming short. Where you have neglected to do what He has commanded us to do. Amen? Amen. And you know, next week we're going to be uh, receiving communion. And that, that's, that's the time also where the Lord says, examine yourselves, judge yourselves. So we need, to be, we need to be honest before God. We need to be sincere and to acknowledge and confess our prayerlessness and our neglect of prayer. God will forgive when we confess our sins. The Bible says He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen? So what we're going to do... Before we leave, I'm going to give you a few minutes to remain silent before God, to look to God in your heart, and to confess and acknowledge before Him your weakness in prayer, your failure in the prayer closet, your negligence in prayer, and say, God, I judge myself this morning, this afternoon, I have not been faithful as I should have been. I confess my sin of prayerlessness, of negligence. I repent before you and I ask you to forgive me and to cleanse me in your precious blood. And not only that, Lord, I pray that you will empower me as I come humbly before you and acknowledge my shortcomings and my negligence, Lord, I expect you to give me the grace and the desire that comes from you to be faithful, to be consistent and diligent in the place of prayer. Can we do that? Let's bow for a few minutes in silence and in your own heart and in your own words. I'm just giving you some words that I use. Talk to God within your heart, you and God, and, and, and share with Him, say to Him what you want to say. Holy Spirit, we ask you to help us as we come in humility before you, in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for the cleansing power that is in your precious blood. 
that as we confess the sin of prayerlessness, of negligence, we can be assured, Father, that you, according to your word, have forgiven us, have cleansed us. And Lord, we look to you in faith to work within us that which we cannot do ourselves. Your word says it is God who works in us, both to will and to do his good pleasure. By your grace, empower us, enable us, so that we may walk in a manner that is pleasing to you, especially, Lord, in the place of prayer. Thank you for inspiring us, for teaching us. Thank you for convicting us by your Spirit. And thank you for disciplining us and steering us in the right direction. We are your sheep, Lord, the sheep of your pasture, Father. You are our Heavenly Father. You are our shepherd. And we thank you for your guidance. And we thank you for the truth which you are imparting to us through your word. May we not only be hearers of your word, but doers of your word. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources and more information about this ministry, come and visit us at www.alphaomegaint.org.za.